Hey, it's Mentally Chill. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Kristen Carney, and I'm alone today. Alone with you guys. In your ear, in your car, in your house, wherever you are, I'm there. I just made myself sound like a stalker. I'm not a stalker. I am your host of the show. But I did see a t-shirt today that said, I don't stalk, I investigate, which me too. Anyway, so I'm doing the show today alone. And when I do the show alone, um, it's bittersweet. I hate to even say sweet. It's bitter. Um, The sweet part comes from just getting to do the show for you guys. But uh, it's bitter because Stevie's not here. And um, when I do do the show alone, I like to imagine Stevie is here with me. And I'm taping right now in my room. And I'm sitting directly across from um, a frame picture I have of her and I which um, I'm kind of keeping my eye on so that if I'm not feeling very witty or funny, Stevie can step in and help me with that. And actually today I tweeted um, something about Britney Spears because I'm obsessed with her Instagram now. Last week it was Aubrey O'Day's and this week it's Britney Spears's. And um, bald or not bald, Britney's a train wreck always. And resident consultant Jen is a huge Britney Spears fan. Um, Please don't let that influence your opinion on her. She is still someone whose opinion you can take seriously. She is an educated person. Educated people can also be Britney Spears fans. It's possible. It's a thing. But I am um, obsessed with Britney's Instagram this week. And I tweeted uh, something like, um, why does Britney Spears's makeup always look like it's club makeup four days later or something or four days old yeah four days old um and then alonzo super fan alonzo hey alonzo what's up i can't wait for you to send this to me on instagram of you listening to it uh in your reaction to me saying your name um but alonzo sent me a tweet that stevie had done sometime last year uh also calling out britney's makeup and she said i know britney's crazy because of her eyeliner and that made me miss Stevie so badly because her and I thought so much alike and um, it sucks because, you know, it's a it's a kindred spirit that um, you really have a hard time finding, which I know I said before. But anyway, so I am doing the show today alone and uh, I thought I would do something a little different. Um, I'm going to answer questions which is kind of presumptuous of me. But I'm doing this on the suggestion of my intern day. Um, And so people did send me in questions and uh, I'm answering them like I'm some huge asshole Um, because I know you're all so fascinated with what I would have to say. So I'll do uh, some questions um, about mental illness, not obviously professional answers I'll be giving, but I'm going to be doing a, a part of it that's mental illness related questions and then I'm going to do a part of it that's just personal questions that people also ask me. So hang on to your hats folks. This is going to be the most irrelevant podcast I have done yet but I'll make it relevant somehow. Somehow we will make it work. Before I do that I'm saying hi to people on Patreon. Thank you guys. Also a good turnout this week. Really exciting. So I'm going to say thanks to Jesse F, Mark S, Alex M, and Helen V. There's something about reading the first letter of the last name makes the name sound fake to me, like in my brain. Like these are Jesse, Mark, Alex, and Helen. You guys are all characters from a textbook. And it was like, so-and-so bought four apples. Jesse F. bought four apples, but Mark S. only bought two. Who's going to go to the doctor less? Like it feels like that to me. But anyway, thank you so much for your donations and for becoming part of the community on Patreon. And I said this on Patreon recently. Um, It's cool we're building a community because I think communities help so much and uh, are such a great um, resource for support. And uh, normally I hate communities, but because it's my community, I'm cool with it. So uh, if you guys want to become part of the community, please do so. Uh, It helps me. It helps you. It mostly helps me, but it will also help you. But really just me. But you guys also. Uh, there's the community board that you guys can chat on, etc. And then the resources that I put up there that Jesse puts up there, my other intern. I'm not dropping like intern names here. And it's ridiculous. I have interns and we all have established that. But um, anyway, 
uh jesse puts a lot of good stuff um i'm doing mini pods i'm oh i just got my email today or yesterday i actually got it from um the t-shirt place or the merchandise place they said uh t-shirts are ready to be picked up so i'm going to pick them up tomorrow so everyone who donates on patreon um who qualifies for a t-shirt you guys will be getting those in the mail asa freaking p so cool so anyway if you want to become a part of patreon please go to mentallychill.com. No, don't do that. Well, you can do that, but that's not going to take your Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash mentallychill and uh, subscribe. Do it. It's easy. Um, okay. So, so uh, the first question is uh, from Jana in Germany. Hey, Jana, what's up? Jana writes to me a lot uh, in very detailed, great emails about um, things that she's going through, et cetera, et cetera. So she sent me a couple questions. One of the questions is uh, she wants to know how I found out I had ADD. And when I'm saying that right now, I did quotation marks around the word had because I don't think I really have it or had it. Uh, who knows? Maybe I do have it. I do have a hard time focusing, but I kind of want to live in the school of thought of like, that's just being a human being. But it does affect me to a decent extent. It's really, really, really hard for me to focus, but because that's been my normal for so long, it doesn't feel like a disorder, just feels like an annoyance. But so the way uh, I quote unquote found out I had it was a psychiatrist who basically, actually it sounds like I have ADD answering this question. So I guess he was right. Um, when I went to the psychiatrist who was a super bad dude and was terrible and I needed antidepressants, I had, I was desperate for antidepressants. I was spending a lot of money out of pocket to see this guy. And um, you guys have heard me talk about him before and he wouldn't give me antidepressants and he wouldn't give me um, anti-anxiety medication either because he said I was already uh, very fatigued as it is or already have sleeping, too much sleeping in my life so he wouldn't prescribe me like a Xanax or anything like that which I mean I can understand but you know living with that constant state of butterflies and being severely depressed was really um unethical 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 of him um to not uh treat that however he told me I have ADD so it was like he added another problem to my list of problems so he was treating me for something that I really didn't go in for and he gave me a medication. I absolutely cannot remember what it is. I should call the pharmacy to see what it was that I had been taking, but it, this was years ago now. Um, but I didn't notice a huge difference. I don't remember it making me focus any more or less. I really was taking it to appease him because he was the type of psychiatrist who was like, if you don't listen to me, then I don't trust you. If like, if you don't take my advice, then I don't trust you. I'm the doctor. You're the dumb patient. That's how he was communicating with me, essentially. So I was basically taking it because I was like, okay, I guess I guess I have to take this to, you know, maybe one day let him give me an antidepressant, like for him to trust me or something, which he never ended up doing. And there's no, there was no reason to not trust me. I just I, I was very paranoid from a young age about getting medication because I always thought that they thought I was going to be abusing it, even though I had never abused it ever before, ever. It's like when you go into a store and you feel like people are looking at you like you're going to steal, but you're like, but I, I don't steal. Well, I mean, the only thing I stole was like gum from my sister. Um, and I get an occasional like string cheese from my roommate. Don't tell her. Uh, but... Basically, I had that vibe when I was getting medication. It was like, I've never, ever, ever in my life abused medication. I don't have addiction problems. That's luckily one of the things I've never been um, struggling with in my life. And uh, yet I would I would go in, like into the doctor, like like almost felt like I had like a hood over my head and dark circles around my eyes, like looking like someone who was just like, give me medication, give me medication. I need it. I need it. But I've never ever done that or needed it. And so I get, you know, it's like that self-fulfilling prophecy. So I probably gave off a weird vibe. I don't know if I did or not. I don't think I did, but maybe I did. So he didn't seem very trusting of me, but I don't think it was that. I think he just wanted my money and to just like drag me along. 
But when I was 19, I tried an antidepressant for a couple weeks and I felt awful and fat and um, it made me feel like I was floating and outside of my body, which actually sounds fun. Now that I'm 34, I'm like, I would go for floating and being outside my body. Um, but uh, that doctor who gave me that was a general doctor. She wasn't a psychiatrist or anything. And so she gave it to me. I didn't take it past the two weeks. And then I think I went maybe, you know, another year or something um, without taking it. And then after about a year, I had asked for another chance. Like I was like, I, I'm really depressed and I would really like to try it again. And she said, no, I, I don't trust you with it because I didn't take the prescription that she had originally given me, but it was because I didn't feel good on it. I'm not going to take it just to make her feel good about herself. And then the other thing was she had prescribed me an inhaler when I was this was, you know, when I was young. So I was probably like 16 or something. And I don't really have dangerous asthma. I think I have like, if it's muggy out or something and I'm running a long time, I have a hard time a little bit. But I mean, seriously, when am I running? And so I took the inhaler, but then never filled the prescriptions or something. So anyway, she was very mad at me about my follow-up, I guess. And so that made me paranoid going forward with other psychiatrists that they thought, you know, they wouldn't trust me or something, but there's nothing to not trust. But when you talk like me and <laughs> you overexplain and you get, you know, say you say weird jokes and things, they probably think I am someone to not trust. But anyway, so I don't know what it was. Sorry, Jana, to go back to that and really uh, hit, you know, drive home how ADD I actually sound now. Um, coming back to your question, I don't know what he saw in me that made him say I had ADD. He did give me a questionnaire, which I know, Jana, you mentioned in your email that your therapist had given you a question questionnaire and had said that you might be ADD. Um, I don't know if the questionnaire had anything to do with it. Maybe because I, you know, drew wieners and boobs all over it and then barely answered the questions. No, I didn't do that. Um Maybe he, there was something on there that made him think I was ADD, but I don't know. It was maybe just the way I talked. I had I really have no idea. Um, and uh, I would maybe you know if I had like good health insurance and time to kill, and and I yeah you know, well I guess that's it. But if I had those things, maybe I would go to a psychi psychiatrist or a doctor and ask for some sort of ADD medication again just to see if it would help. But um. Right now, I'm not in that position, and it's a lot of effort. And you know, as I've said before, I don't uh, don't love working hard, so that would involve too much work. So no, I have uh, not taken anything for that in a long, long time. So that was one question, and then um, another question from Jana is something that really should be an F dat shit thing because it's very fascinating. And obviously, by the way, I'm speaking now. You know, I'm not a doctor, but. She, um, Jana's asking my opinion on trauma inheritance. So if you guys don't know what trauma inheritance is, it's basically a parent having an experience and then it altering their, their DNA and then passing that DNA on to their child. So there's like, there's this article that is disputing trauma inheritance and that it's not real. So it came about in 2015, this lady, Rachel Yehuda, uh, and her team studied 32 Jewish women. All of them were Holocaust survivors. But I don't know how she did it in 2015. I mean, maybe they obviously didn't have to be alive, maybe for the study. I don't know, um, because I'm assuming most of they're all there's like two Holocaust survivors left alive, maybe in 2018. I don't know. Anyway, uh, she did a study, 32 Jewish women and men, not just women, I'm sorry, women and men. They were all Holocaust survivors who had been interned in Nazi concentration camps, forced into hiding during World War II, or had seen or experienced torture. And then the team studied the genes of the 22 children who were born to Holocaust survivors after the war and um, found that they had a higher rate of developing PTSD, depression, anxiety, which is pretty fascinating. But then this article is saying it's not true. However, I, 
I think like almost in a dream world, I want the answer to be yes, that it is real in a way, maybe because it's like, oh, well, then I can blame the fact that I am depressed on my grandma because she got depressed because she had no money in the 30s and her father died young. And now that's why I'm depressed. Maybe that's why I want it to be true. Or maybe I want it to to be true because it's such a cool idea of like, you're just, that's how sensitive our bodies are, that it soaks up all this information. And so we are products of you know, our ancestors a gajillion years ago and the experiences they were having. So maybe my ancestor lived in a cold climate and was always cold and so they were depressed all the time. And maybe your ancestor uh, was, you know, uh, living in a hot climate and they were having fun and you're not depressed and I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Um, So opinion-wise, I have no idea. I do think we all have like, I... I hate to be like hippy dippy, but I do think we all have energy. And I think that energy from when you pass on is still around somehow in the world. So maybe it's not a genetic thing. It's a like a vibe thing that don't tell anyone I ever said that, please. (laughs) Let's just erase this part of the episode and on to the next question, because that was humiliating that I said that. But I don't know. Thinking about my mom and my dad and my grandparents my mom and dad I don't think had any major trauma so I can't think of what I would have gotten from them but my mom does have really bad anxiety and it's very nervous all the time and it's like did I pick that up because it's like you know I'm I'm a product of my mother or because it's actually in my DNA I don't know um I'll tell you one thing I didn't pick up of hers the ability to cook I can't cook I Tonight, um, really felt proud of myself because I made, I didn't make, made is the wrong word. It's giving me too much credit. I warmed up Progresso soup, which I normally hate canned soup, but I'm a soup fan. I love soup. I find it very comforting. It's, it's like a big hug um, because I lather it all over my body. Um, But I warmed up this chicken enchilada Progresso soup, which is really good if you dress it up, but I warmed it up in a pot on the stove okay hello not the microwave so number one proud of myself for that two i i dressed it up i you have to do a lot of salt and pepper because it's kind of flavorless but you know so did salt and pepper and then um, i do a little cholula in it and then throw some uh, shredded cheese and sour cream and broke and broken up tortilla chips and it was freaking delicious it was so good so for me, that is cooking. Like that was a huge thing. So anyway, but my mom's would be four hours um, in the kitchen in the morning and then eight hours in the kitchen in the evening and then two hours before she goes to bed making beautiful things. And so you don't inherit everything is basically what I'm saying. So um, I think if I have a kid, they'll inherit the trauma that I feel from LA traffic and uh, what else? I don't know. I'm trying to think of what would have been altered in my genes from my experience. Uh, maybe self-hate from a crossed eye as a kid. So hopefully it's not real for them. For their sake, I hope it doesn't exist whatsoever and that they'll be totally happy and healthy and normal. Um, so that's all for that question. Thanks, Jana, for sending those in. And um I feel you because Jana wrote about her grandmother um, because she was her grand Jana, as I said, lives in Germany and her grandmother was around the world war and uh, she feels like she's gotten some PTSD maybe from from her. So you never know. It's possible. Um, I'm a true scientist. That's how I figure things out. Just uh, talking about chicken enchilada soup. Um, okay, so the next question is from Victoria, and she sent in some awesome questions. She sent in a bunch. Here's one of them. She said, I know that you and Stevie started this podcast because at the time there weren't many other ones like it, especially from a woman's point of view. What do you hope that this podcast accomplishes in that sense? And what are ways that you think more people can join in on the conversation about mental health and help reduce the stigma around it? Okay, Victoria, you're challenging me here, aren't you? Um, so the first 
part of this, you say the woman's point of view. Well, first of all, I am a 13-year-old boy, so I can't speak on that. However, from a 13-year-old boy's point of view, I really wanted to accomplish nothing huge. I'm a 13-year-old boy, okay? So my goals are basically limited to pizza. So I'm operating from that place. At the time, my goal was pizza for mental health. It was nothing crazy. It was nothing huge. It was pretty basic. I contacted Stevie and had the conversation with Stevie because what a better voice than me and Stevie. But honestly, I thought her and I would make a great team to talk about something like this because, or we're both incredibly real and genuine. And I think we live in a world that lacks an insane amount of genuineness. Is that even the right way to say that? I want to say like genuity, but then that sounds like an invention. But we live in a world of the Kardashians and Stevie is so was so real and so honest and so funny. And I won't say the same things about me, but in my dream world, I am those th- same things. And I thought two real people talking about something that so many people won't be real about will be very refreshing and therapeutic for them and me. But again, selfishly, it really was for me because it was like I was so fed up with being depressed that I just wanted to talk about it. I didn't have any massive goals about changing the um, stigma around mental health. Now that I am much more involved in it, I am on board with changing the stigma around mental health. And I think the way to do that is to continue to engage in conversation in a normal way, in a way that's just like an everyday thing, just like you're going to the grocery store or you, you know, have a stop and chat on the street. You keep it, you don't have to keep it light because you're, you're wanting to keep it real, but by talking about it in a funny, lighthearted sense. Not that you have to be funny all the time, but if you talk about it in a way that won't scare people, you're opening them up to realize that someone who is bipolar isn't a freak. They just happen to have mood issues, but that doesn't make them any different than, you know, like you see someone eating out at a restaurant and they look well-adjusted and normal. That's that person has bipolar disorder. So I guess by just talking about it in this in this casual nonchalant way, you're not giving it the 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 like creepiness factor for the people that can't handle it. Does that sound I don't know, maybe I'm adding to the stigma by saying all this stuff, but it's essentially just talking about it as if you were talking about your grocery list. Um because it's normal. And on last week's episode, I said how Paul Go Martin's show the mental illness happy hour goes to the darker place and someone wrote to me and said i really like that yours keeps it light and his kind of can get like dark clouds and heavy because i can listen to that and get stuff out of it but i can also listen to yours in a more easy breezy fashion and still get stuff out of it as well so i think by keeping it this kind of like fun discussion, number one, it's differentiating itself from other podcasts. But two, it's like you don't talk to, you know, someone who is who has learning disabilities. You don't you try to communicate with them as if they're just like you or I. And so that's my perspective on this podcast. It's like if if we had a podcast about sports, it would be funny. If we had a podcast about movies, there'd be some humor in it. If you have a podcast about depression, you keep it funny because all of these things are all the same. And what I mean by the same is it's all just part of the human experience, the experience of being alive. And I've always, always, always been on the side of humor makes things digestible. It makes the worst things digestible. That's why I like my vegetables with a side of humor. You don't need ranch dressing when you can suck it down with some jokes. Wow, this broccoli is delicious. Tell me that joke again. Anyway, but I just, I don't get people who take themselves too seriously. If you take yourself too seriously, you're 
you're doing a disservice to yourself because you're not going to be able to enjoy your life as much. So I've never, ever been the politically correct type. I've never taken anything so seriously that I would be offended by it. Why? It just makes living more miserable. So, I mean, I'm kind of off on a tangent now, but basically what I'm saying with that is that talking about mental health in a way as if it's so normal will help make it normal. You'll, It's almost like fake it till you make it. Like people might think it's not normal, but if you keep talking to them in a way in which it is normal, then eventually I think it'll help bring it to that level. I don't know if it will ever be talked about as something super duper normal while we're alive. I think it will down the road, but maybe the world would be ended by then. But anyway, so yeah, so my goal was to just have a freaking genuine conversation to bring some realness back to the world and also... Um, now that I'm involved, it is to help make this battle a little easier for other people. And I will say getting emails from you guys on or just little quick blurb, blurbs, blurbs, blurb, 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 sorry. <laughs> Blah. Um, yeah, blurbs from you guys on Instagram or Twitter or whatever saying how much the podcast helps you. That's like I didn't know I needed that stuff until I got it. Because hearing it now gives me so much more meaning. I didn't realize how little meaning I had before getting those messages and things. So thanks for giving me meaning and stuff like that. Like, 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 like. Okay, uh, next question from Steve. There was a study that said people with mental illnesses donated their brains after death and there were, well, during life, that would be bad. Um, and there were obvious signs of differences in their genes. Would you donate your brain for something like that? Was the question. Did that make sense the way I read that? Um, so the study basically uh, said that they examined lots and lots of brains. And there were obvious things making um, our sad brains different from non-sad brains. Yeah, you know, so the weird thing about like donating your body or parts of your body to science. I read this book. It was such a good book. And um, if you're fascinated by the morbid, like I am, um, you will love this book. It's called Stiff. And it's by Mary Roach. And she is so funny. She is like ridiculous funny. And she writes about a lot of scientific or, or kind of like fascinating topics that would be on the Discovery Channel or something. So she did a whole book on cadavers and the life of cadavers. It's like called Stiff, the Curious Life of a Cadaver, I believe. And she talked about what happens to your body when you, not this, not just the entire book, but there's a chapter on it on donating your body to science and what actually happens when you do that. And it's so disheartening, but you're dead. So whatever. But you know, it's like your, your body can end up as a test crash dummy in cars and like just you're just getting like just smashed everywhere and you're wearing a blue she she described that in such a funny way of like this body was just in this blue bodysuit from head to toe like you couldn't see the head and it was fake and I don't know what she said that was funny about it but she said something incredibly funny about that bodysuit like looking like a bank robber or something but the way she said it was much funnier than that but um so the donating my body to science I'm so hesitant on because of the like ugh, of the whole thing but again you're dead in high school I had a teacher uh he used to talk about things like that like airplanes crashing and donating your body to science just stuff that would kind of freak you out and um he would say like you know in whatever other cultures you know they believe if you die and you don't have your eyes you won't be able to see in the afterlife and things like that so part of me kind of hangs on to that so it's like if I died and donated my brain, I wouldn't be able to think in the afterlife. But I barely think now and I've made it through pretty fine. So maybe it'd be worth it. Uh, I do have on my my driver's license checked that I would uh, donate if something happened to me in an accident, you know, when I died or something. If something happened to me in an accident and I got a bruise, you guys could take my foot. That's kind of, no. Uh, so I'm doing it because I feel like it's the responsible thing to do. And um, as old as we are as a species, we still have so much to learn. 
and I'm not I'm not learning any of it but um you guys have a lot to learn um and uh I would like to assist in that I guess so yeah I would donate my brain and 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 I'm going to talk about this more in the F debt shit portion of the show um so I'll get to more of that but I would say yes yes I would donate my brain it's just like donating a pair of shoes um okay so next question what motivates you this is from victoria as well what motivates you to get out of bed every day especially on the days that you struggle to do so um well the thing that motivates me to get out of bed every day is not feeling like an absolute loser that's really it that's really it because every day i do want to stay in bed but i think what feels worse getting out of bed and maybe accomplishing a little something even though it would be kind of miserable or staying in bed and having zero chance to feel okay about myself. So really that's what pulls me out of bed. There are some days that I don't get out of bed, not super often, but um, I posted a picture on our Instagram, which you can follow on mentally chill pod on uh, on Instagram, but I picture I posted a picture a, few, a couple months ago now, maybe uh, maybe a month ago, of me in bed having a very bad depressive moment, and um, I posted it to keep things real because social media is all full of fake shit, and all that fake shit gets so many likes and makes so many people feel bad. And uh, I, I want you guys to do me a favor if so if you see a photo on Instagram and it makes you feel bad, and but you would like it normally, don't like it. Don't like it. And also, we need to stop liking Kylie Jenner's anything. We are part of the problem. We are part of the problem. We follow and we like and we perpetuate this world that we live in. But anyway, back to getting out of bed. Um, I don't think about people like Kylie Jenner to get myself out of bed. If I start to think too much about those people, they make me sad and I will stay in bed. But I say it happens like once every couple of months. I crash uh, in a way, not in like a bipolar way, but it's just like, I don't know if crash is the right word. It's more like I run out of gas and I cannot, cannot face the day because it's like walking around with bricks on your shoulders day in and day out and day in and day out. And finally, you cannot carry that weight anymore. It's like when you're hiking and if you're hiking with a heavy backpack on, you can only go so far before you have to stop for a break. And that's what depression feels like for me. So I can only go so long before I need a break and that day will be spent in bed and I wish that I could just like sink into it and accept it and enjoy it the staying in bed and just do it and and really get as much out of as I can but when I have that moment where I can't keep going and I need the day to gas up stop at the gas station I still feel very guilty and bad and um uneasy about it uh but I I but I will you know I will do it but it doesn't feel good so yeah so generally it's just um I know that I'm going to continue on the race of life um I and what pulls me out of bed is that I if I'm depressed it's going to be even worse if I don't get out of bed and if I want all these days to add up to something okay to add up to having a decent-ish life, then 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 I get out of bed. It's hard, but I do it, and um, it's healthy. Uh, I do find that uh, if I stay in bed too too much, it will make it worse. But generally, I think one day of just like taking one day to just kind of be in the dark in your room and in a ball is healthy-ish. Anything past that is not so. You know, if you're in bed, if you've been in bed for many, 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 many days and you haven't gotten out of bed, seek some therapy or help or medication or something. And the days that I have spent in bed have been on antidepressants. Antidepressants have 
really just helped me feel semi-normal. They didn't, you know, they didn't make my life a ball of sunshine or anything. So I think that answers that. Uh, um, Okay, another question. Does it help you or is it therapeutic in any way to be able to talk freely about how you feel like in a public forum? I want to talk freely, but I don't want my family to hear some things because I don't want them to worry or something like that. Uh, It is therapeutic, but I find too much talking isn't therapeutic. What is therapeutic is the uh, lack of concern that I have for talking publicly, at least about my my life. I don't know why it doesn't bother me, but it just doesn't bother me. I think because I I like to relate to people. It makes me feel safe when I feel other people hear me and understand me and are like me. And so it feels natural for me to be so open because that's how I feel good is connecting over those things that I'm talking about uh, too much and too long. Um, But it doesn't, it's like doing stand-up comedy. People say like, that takes so much balls to do stand-up. It's like, well, it doesn't when you are in when you are a comedian inside and out it doesn't take balls and so for me i've always been a very open person and i think being open led to making people laugh and that's what made me feel happy and so uh it doesn't take a lot of balls i guess for me to do a show like this and talk this openly it feels natural and it feels satisfying it's also like a totally narcissistic thing, which makes me uncomfortable. It's like, who am I to wax poetic about X, Y, and Z because I am so important and all of you have to listen to me. Like, I'm very uncomfortable with that. But it also just feels so natural that I have to do it and I really have no choice. That's why I loved stand-up because... It's like you're with people, and this is a little bit different, but it's like you're with people, but you're not with people. So you're on stage and you're in front of human beings and you're in their presence and they're in your presence and you're talking, it's more like you're talking at them and you're, and you're, no, you're not responsible to really just like have to have these one-on-one conversations, which feels less intense and less hard for an introvert. It's weird because I think most comedians are introverts, but you wouldn't know that because they're on the stage being extroverted. But it's because for an introvert, it's easier to talk to a crowd of people than it is to talk to one person or to two or three people. Um, I met this guy when I was driving Uber who knew Robin Williams really well. And uh, he said that Robin Williams was so good in front of a crowd but if you put him next to one person he was awful like he you know awkward and uncomfortable and would start performing essentially so to one you know because that's how we knew how to function but um it's it's so it's therapeutic but it's also natural and again the therapy part comes from feeling like I'm connecting with other people and then the uh what's the word um it's like liberating also Because it doesn't, we're all going to die anyway. Like it doesn't, why be concerned if so-and-so is listening? I do get concerned about like my mom listening to certain things that I say. And I don't like the idea, like my friend, hey, Rachel, Mary, if you're listening. So like my friend Rachel from home that I went to high school with, we had lunch when I was home visiting and she was like, oh, I listen to your podcast. And it's like, oh, you do? Gross. Ew. Like all of a sudden I feel naked and seen because in my mind I'm comfortable doing this because it's to people that I don't really know. Whereas if I really took into account people that I knew and know listening to this, I probably wouldn't be as open, but I just pretend they don't listen. And then when they tell me they do, I just kind of throw it out of my mind. I mean, I throw out of my mind everything anyone says, um, but especially if they tell me they listen to my podcast and I know them. Um, So yeah, and I don't think you, I don't think anyone should feel like they shouldn't talk openly unless you're a very, very private person and you don't want to share your feelings because it's just who you are. But if you have the desire to 
talk and get things out, fucking do it. Why not? Like, why not? And you'll see that you connect with people on so many levels. And uh, it'll be very freeing. It'll be a very freeing experience. And no one's going to worry. I mean, there might be some worry, but, you know, because like you said in the question, Victoria, uh, you want to talk, but you don't want your family to hear some things. Well, you know, luckily you're not doing a podcast, so they don't, you can pick and choose what they'll hear. But if they're who you're, you know, who you're support group is then they are going to have to hear things that maybe make them uncomfortable but that's not the issue the issue is you talking and getting better and then they can adjust you know they'll it's like adjusting you know you get into you're in summer and then you get into fall and you get into winter there's like an adjustment into winter you just don't go from summer to winter unless you're from upstate new york then you do go from summer to winter but they'll ease in you know they'll adjust from not understanding to maybe being uncomfortable with it to then accepting it and um and helping you heal i feel like heal is too sense like too like npr-ish of a word you know like i should just be not talking at all uh in a sophisticated npr-ish manner but anyway um so okay so those were the questions that i'd categorized for the mental health stuff and so on to some personal questions. Uh, I will maybe make these a little bit quicker. Um, so, okay. So a question. Sorry, that's my dog shaking off in the background. And I have no choice but to tape next to my dog because he's so attached to me. And uh, if I try to put him in another room, he will just scratch and scratch and bark and whine until I bring him in with me. So I have no choice but to have dog noises. Also, I'm lying. That's really just me and I'm wearing a dog collar and I just shook off. Um, okay, personal question. What kind of life advice would you give yourself five years ago? I would say to like yourself and to accept yourself and to believe in yourself. And all of this sounds super cheesy and TED talky and um, things that I don't want to be, but those are the huge mistakes that I've made um, over the past 15 years. You know, from the time I was 20, you know, getting into college, 1920. I mean, I definitely doubted in high school, but it didn't, you know, I wasn't an adult then and I wasn't pursuing a career then or anything. Not that I was when I was 19, but I would say when I moved to LA, uh, I was already on a bad path in terms of how I talked to myself um, I was in Chicago and then I moved to LA, but I think it got worse when I got to LA because I was all of a sudden getting in with the big dogs. I don't know if that's maybe what I, I just was getting into an industry, trying to get into an industry where you have to have a lot of self-esteem and a lot of self-assurance and confidence. And I had none of those. And I am a gajillion miles behind because I didn't have those things. I said recently I'm starting to like accept myself and be okay with myself sorry but I wish that I could have done that 10 years ago like some people that I know that are now doing incredibly well because they had all of those things already in place and they didn't have to learn it when they were 34 they learned it when they were 18 or 20 or but they're not there I think they are the exception I don't think that's the norm maybe it is I hope it's not but definitely just know who you are, be okay with who you are, and go forward with those things and do what best suits you. Nobody else. Nobody else. So a long time ago when I was trying to do stand-up, I was like, well, maybe I should try to be a like a like a TV host, like a hosty, like welcome to E News or something, you know, like something like that. That wasn't me, but it was like, well, maybe because that's what you know you do in in LA like I just didn't know myself well enough I knew myself but I wasn't willing to see myself enough to know that that wouldn't work um there's a lot of trial and error and um that was definitely an error and a trial of my patience doing stuff like that so if I had just started doing right out of the shoot the stuff that I knew was in my heart which was like writing screenplays and and uh and talking talking to people like I I I guess I didn't know in what capacity I could do those things but anyway that's 
yes, believe in yourself, know who you are and do the things that that uh, you want to do that sound right in your gut. If it doesn't feel right in your gut, don't do it. Trust your gut. Trust it. It is so right. And also give it probiotics. But anyway, okay, so next question. This is kind of fun. Is this okay for you guys? I hope it is. Uh, it's like in sex. Is this okay for you? <laughs> um, are you feeling more comfortable doing the podcast solo? No. Um, maybe like 20% more comfortable than I was when Stevie first passed away. Uh, I don't trust my I guess what I was just saying trust your gut and stuff but I guess I didn't I don't trust myself enough to do shows on my I don't trust myself to be interesting enough to do shows on my own I have no choice however because I have heard feedback I mean in a couple instances I couldn't get a guest but I have heard feedback saying people enjoy when I do the show alone which feels great it feels awesome I still don't believe it uh, I'm like, you know, you go to hell if you lie. That's what I send back to that feedback. Um, so I feel in a sense self, I feel slightly more self-assured because of the good feedback I've gotten. But today I'm, I mean, I'm taping this really late. The show's going to come out late. It's because I procrastinated all day because I don't want to do it alone. I like bantering with people and I like having a fun back and forth. And when I'm alone, I feel like it has way less energy than when I'm with someone. I don't know if less energy is appealing. It might be more appealing to have it more mellow. So yeah, maybe 20% more comfortable, but not much. And I don't want, I don't like to do this often and I don't want to do this often, but I'm also having a little tiny couple sips of an alcoholic beverage to help me, which I've never done before doing a podcast. And I haven't had that much of it, but it's helping me think less and get out of my head a little bit but I've only like I said I only had a couple sips uh, I swear I'm not trying to prove myself as a non-alcoholic by saying I only had a couple sips I really don't drink that often I really really don't that's what something an alcoholic says but what's funny is I really genuinely don't drink that often the reason I'm drinking right now to be honest with you guys is because I was at um, Adam Carolla's network recently and he has a line of beverages and um, they gave me a bottle of brose not rosé, but brosé. And um, I mixed it in with some, um, I, I bought a cranberry mango juice because I was feeling tropical. And um, I mixed it in with that and it's it just it tastes really, really good. So that's why I'm drinking it just because someone gave it to me. That's another thing alcoholics say. No, <laughs> it's funny because I genuinely, now I feel like I'm like with the pills earlier, how I said I, you know, go to doctors and I'm like, paranoid they think I'm just there to get all these pills and now I feel like that with you guys and this alcohol I swear I really don't drink that much um okay another question uh what would you be doing if you weren't podcasting uh I don't know to be honest with you I I'd be writing a lot more or writing I um my goal is to make a movie and sell screenplays and stuff so I'd probably just be focusing more on that but I love podcasting podcasting and the minute I got into it years and years ago, I was like, this is right. Like, that's what my gut was trying to tell me. Even though it's just pod, like you think podcasting, like anyone can do it. And it's like, you know, nothing crazy, but it feels so right to be doing podcasting. And um, I'm really happy. Just kidding. Uh, I'm miserable. That was the alcohol talking. Uh, no, I am. Um, I don't know. Really beyond that, I would be doing more stand up probably and, and be and be writing a lot more. But I wouldn't be doing anything crazy different like, you know, working as an accountant or something crazy different. Um, so there's that. Uh, okay, another uh, another question. And I only have like two left. So we're almost through it all. Um, okay, this is a random one. Favorite movie going experience or best one I've seen lately? Well, I've been kind of doing this catching up on movies thing where I'm just watching movies at home that I haven't seen before that I should have seen a long time ago. And I saw, so I watched Moulin Rouge recently, which I'm a huge fan of now. I love musicals and I love Baz Luhrmann. I don't know if I say his name right, but uh, that was really, really good. And I also watched uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind recently, which I saw in the theater in Australia 
when I was studying abroad, I'm name dropping Australia, uh, when I was studying abroad there and I was alone and very depressed and it was like a quote unquote like depressing movie at the time to me because it was like that kind of indie feel and it made me feel awful and I really didn't pay attention to it and I think I left early which is not usually my thing I usually don't leave movies early but anyway I rewatched it recently and I really 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 liked it and I thought it was such a, an amazing concept uh if you guys don't know it uh it's basically getting your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend erased from your memory and so anyway yeah um but uh very interesting movie going experience not like my favorite one but it was a movie going experience nonetheless uh when i saw the movie crash i think that's what it was called it was the one that had to do with um race relations essentially like the way races treat other races and how it's like this domino effect and uh it was such a crazy experience because in the theater there were people of all different races actually getting into a fight in the theater so it was almost like the movie came to life it was almost like a 3d movie um or 4d but uh basically a guy his phone kept ringing and he kept answering it and so then like people like then the, then someone started yelling at him and they got into a fight and then someone else got into it and then I stood up and I was like you're all idiots um so then I was like the white girl involved so uh that was a crazy interesting movie going experience and I saw it with my dad and my dad is the king of non-confrontation um so I stood up and he was like are you insane like he like pulled me down by the jacket and you know was like are you out of your mind uh so that was quite interesting. Okay, this question is from Tamir. Hey, Tamir, do you listen to past episodes episodes of the podcast and reflect on where you were in life at the time and what slash how you felt then? Do you find it useful if you do listen to them? I'd imagine it would be almost a form of journaling since you are so open in your podcast. I don't go back and listen. I hate listening. I, especially to the ones of just myself, but I, I, I've tried, but I can't listen to any episodes with Stevie. I I put on maybe one or two and made made it about five minutes in, and then I just was like, nope, can't do it. Maybe I'll hit a point where I can listen, but I remember uh, going to see Jason Alexander, who is the actor that played George Costanza on Seinfeld. He played my favorite human being in the entire world, which is so sad because it doesn't exist because he is so not George Costanza in real life. He is very, very different. He's a like just an actor through and through, like a thespian. Um, someone said, do you watch episodes of Seinfeld? And he doesn't and never did and never has and has said something like, I went back just to get footage for a acting reel or something, which is so weird that he would even need an acting reel. But he went back through and was like, oh, wow, that was pretty funny or I was pretty good. But he didn't watch it like all of us watched it, which is so weird. So when like you refer to certain things in episodes, he doesn't remember them, which I can relate to on a super small scale because some someone will write to me saying something that I had said in an episode and I don't remember it because it's just like you tape it and then you move on. It's like it's not something that I listen to. It's just imagine having a everyday conversation and then a month later, someone referring back to that conversation and like a sentence that you said. It's like you don't remember it like that. If I re-listen to them, I'm sure I would um, remember them in, a, in that kind of form or something. But no, I cannot listen. And I have to semi-edit some of these if Day is not in, uh, is not editing them for me. And it's painful because I hate listening to myself. So no, I do not go back through and listen, thank God. Because if I did, I probably would never do the podcast again. Uh, okay. And last question. So I talked, so this is from Victoria as well. And her and I had a phone conversation. And so she said, when we talked on the phone recently, you seemed very confident and knowledgeable and positive. Not that I was expecting you to be negative, but you gave me a great pep talk. Do you feel like you have to portray a certain character on the podcast? Uh, the reason I was confident on the phone with you, Victoria, was because you're young, you're a lot younger. And I think in certain senses, I do have maturity and confidence. But 
not across the board. So the person that I am on the podcast is generally who I am in life. However, I think you're 21 or something. And I do, it's annoying because I'm not that, I mean, I'm 34, which is like older, but it's not like I'm like 60 and I'm talking to like a young child or something. But I have had so much time to reflect on being your age that conversing on the phone is something simple to, or I'm sorry, conversing on the phone in a confident, articulate way regarding your problems and what you're going through at your stage in life is something that I'm confident speaking on because I went through it and I've learned a lot from it and I've reflected so much on it. And I'm passionate about you not experiencing the same things that I did. And so I think I came across more confident than I am. Um, I do feel in a way to have a, not not necessarily a character, but a heightened version of myself for you guys so that it's somewhat entertaining because I don't want to bore you to death. So when I do the show, I make sure to turn it on. It's like razzle-dazzle, I'm kind of. But only, but any good speaker or performer would do that. I'm not faking anything, but I'm definitely trying to keep you guys uh, from feeling bored out of your freaking minds. And that's what I feel like happens when I do the show on my own I feel like I am boring you guys and I can't really be a super heightened version of myself when I'm alone with myself for some reason maybe I can and maybe I am a little heightened right now but um I'm talking to you guys the way pretty much the way I would talk on the phone or something it's pretty casual excuse me I burped again that's gross I should edit that out but I don't want to um so Anyway, okay, so that was it for the questions. That was really fun and very self-indulgent, and I'm sorry, uh, but I hope you enjoyed it. And um, now I will get to f that shit. But before I do get to that, I want to say, I've been meaning to say this on about Patreon stuff. So if you guys um, support the show on Patreon, there's a couple different, there's like goals up there that'll say, um, like, when we hit this amount of people, then this will happen. If we hit this amount of people, then this will happen. So um, one goal I have set for 200 patr- patrons or ch- children. Uh, so I'm at 106. I was at 112 today, and it dropped down to 106 because um, it's the first of the month. So people the people who have decided to check out or whatever. So anyway, but so I'm at 106 uh, children man, my vagina's tired. And if I get to 200 people, then I will post my SAT scores just on Patreon, though. I'm not going to like reveal them on the show. But um, for patrons only, you guys can witness my lack of intelligence. (laughs) Um, Or maybe it's not that low and I'm super smart and you guys will be super surprised to see how smart I am. Um, and then uh, the next goal is 300 uh, children, which is a lot of lot of children. I don't know if my vagina will make it to that point, but um, then uh, I will get like merch galore. So right now I've got very minimal merchandise, which I mentioned I have the t-shirts coming. Uh, and I, I do have stickers, which I'm going to be selling soon. And I didn't make beanies because I sent them in with an order. And then the people wrote back to me and said, your logo will not transfer well to being stitched so it works on a t-shirt but it doesn't work so I need to get a different logo design if I wanted to do something on like a knitted like pattern or something um but just so you guys know so that's if I get to 300 patrons I'll order like tons of shit because then I'll be having a lot of money coming in from this um so I'll get like coffee mugs and cell phone cases and stuff like that. Uh, but for now, it's basic. However, if you do want to order something, anything that you want with the logo on it, I will order that for you. I just don't have a stock supply of it because that is really, really, really expensive. It's crazy how expensive it is. Um, so basically, when I see other podcasts that are able to sell like crazy amount of merchandise, it's like, wow, they are making so much money. Um, and then... If we make it to 400 patrons or children, uh, not going to mention the vagina again, I will do two to three episodes per week because then I will be able to um, 
devote a lot of time to this because I'll have enough money coming in that I don't have to focus on doing other crazy things that I do for money. Uh, sexual favors. Um, so anyway, so just so you guys know that, you know, looking toward the future, if you get on board with sharing this with friends and stuff, we can bring this show up to being more of a, a frequent podcast, which would be super fun. I would love to be able to do this like full time. It would be great. Believe me, I would. That would be like my dream. So if you support the show, keep supporting it. Thank you. And if you want to get it to where we're having multiple episodes a week, please, please, please share the show with many people. Many, many, many people. Um, and I felt like I wanted to say something else about it, but I don't remember what it was. Okay. If it comes to me, I will tell you guys. But I told you in the last episode, I'm having memory issues. So that makes sense. Okay. So who is sadder? This one's going to be a little bit childish, which I'm totally fine with. But who's sadder? Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. I'm sorry if you're not familiar with Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Um, you should be. Or Prince John from Robin Hood, Disney's Robin Hood. And I'm so sorry if you're not familiar with Disney's Robin Hood. It is the best Disney movie of all time. It's so funny. It was done in like the 40s or something. And it is so funny and so amazing. And I, if I have kids, we'll only allow them to watch movies of this caliber because it's so good. So who sat or Gaston or Prince John? The reason these two I'm putting head to head is because uh, they are both very privileged, unlikable, but likable because they're so like arrogant and awful in like a charismatic and funny way that they need to be, they're like on the same level. So Prince John is, is basically the bad guy in Robin Hood and he's stealing from the poor and uh, he is, He's super entitled. He has a friend who's a snake um, whose name is Hiss, who is so funny. But Prince John is basically humiliated at the end by Robin Hood. Um, and then Gaston, he wanted to be with Belle, but Belle wanted to be with the Beast. And Gaston was like, is muscular. And like his song, he says he has like a really wide neck or something. I forget the lyrics, but you know, he's, mu he's like the muscle man, cool dude who's really dumb, but like everyone loves, uh, he gets all the women, but he doesn't get Belle. So who's sadder? I think Prince John is sadder because I don't think there's any recovery for someone like Prince John because you're already the prince. Like you can't go any higher than that. I think Gaston could have more of like a self-reflection moment of why didn't Belle want to be with me? Like, and maybe build his insides up a little bit whereas prince john's also older he's set in his ways and he's more financially driven gaston doesn't mention anything that, about money that i can remember his is more about like this you know fulfillment of self because he's narcissistic and he needs to win and get everything um so i think money makes things sadder because it's so fake and something that you can't have with you um i mean my money's fake anyway because it's monopoly money everyone else's money is real um but uh i try to deposit the monopoly money in the in the atm and it doesn't work i'm like what the hell um so i would say prince john but i'm more doing this because i want you to watch disney's robin hood and prince john he his laugh is so amazing uh his laugh goes aha Oh, it's like this really arrogant, rich, rich asshole laugh. It's so good. So please watch Robin Hood. That's really the whole reason that I started even doing this podcast was just to relay the good word to you guys about Disney's Robin Hood. So make sure you watch it. If you don't, you'll be hurting me deeply. So on to F that shit. I'm going to get music for these soon. I am. It's I like having something to initiate moving into a new segment um, rather than just being like, okay, next one. Uh, but anyway, for now, okay, next one. 
So for the F dat shit, just want to talk about brain donation a little bit. Uh, so if we think about it, every, you know, medical condition is researched and um, has like hard science and they know exactly what vein is going into what artery into what, you know, they know all those things, but the brain is much more nebulous or hazy in terms of the research that's done on it for mental illness. So they need people to donate brains. So if you guys want to donate your brain, um, the NIH Neurobiobank is a central resource to coordinate brain donation, which is weird and bizarre, but that's what life is. Um, It's like going to help them figure out ways to actually measure sorry my dog is making noises he's moaning because he's like is this stupid podcast over with yet uh I don't think it's stupid he does he's a jerk but you know if you have cancer you can test for cancer if you have a thyroid problem you can test for your for, for thyroid issues but for depression you can't actually do a test so what they're doing is hoping to one day be able to perform an actual test, not just a verbal test, but an actual physical test to your brain to see what mental illnesses or illness that you have or don't have, which would be great because it would clear up the whole debate of depression. It's in your head. It's all made up. Um, it'd be nice to have some actual science. So be like, mm, think not. So it says that they get about 100 brains per year. So with my massive audience, they're about to spike up to 102 brains a year. So anyway, you can visit their website, Neurobiobank, uh, and go do that. So that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for listening and for hanging out with me and for indulging me in uh, asking me some questions and letting me answer them. And I do want to say thank you. I forget to talk about reviews a lot, but... I've gotten some really awesome reviews up on iTunes, and so I want to say thank you to everyone who's uh, rated and written a really nice review. I appreciate it so much. It really helps the show grow because then it shows the show higher up on iTunes, which then will bring more people to it. Then we can build our community and have more people to chat with about how sad we are. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing the show with a friend, and thank you for being you. And remember, you know the deal. Stay sad enough to listen but not too sad.